The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip's went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder. But others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment in this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, I mentioned a society that had been formed. They called themselves the Thanatology Society, after the Greek word for death, Thanatos. They met to study death. I'm always somewhat 
almost amused when a secular society forms itself to study something to which only the church has the answers. But at the end of all of their studies, they came to a conclusion that the church had known from the very beginning that life is a series of little deaths. We are always dying to something. We are always leaving something behind. And all of that will take us inevitably towards that final moment, the ultimate moment of death. That's where they ended. But they didn't understand this gospel. This is a beautiful gospel. It's also somewhat mysterious. There are a lot of things left unanswered by it that we'd like to know, and yet we can perhaps understand them. Some Greeks come. We aren't told they were Greek-speaking Jews. We are suggested, suggested they are Gentiles who have come to worship at the Passover. If they're not Jews, why would they come? Why would Greeks come to worship at the Passover? Remember, though, that the Greeks, like the Romans, were eclectic. There was always room for one more god. And they might as well come up and worship this one as any other. So they've come for some reason. Remember, too, as I mentioned, I think, last week, at Passover, there could be as many as two and a quarter million people in Jerusalem. And they know what's going on. Everyone does. They've seen the antagonism that's existing between our Lord and the leaders of the people, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the elders. And they see this coming to an end. Remember, this is just a week before the crucifixion that this is happening. And so they want to see our Lord. And they go to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and spoke Greek, and said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Notice Philip goes to Andrew because, as we know, Andrew is always taking someone to Jesus. That's his role in the gospel. He's the one who knows the boy with the loaves and the fish. Andrew always knows somebody to bring to Jesus. And so they go to see him. But the gospel doesn't tell him, doesn't tell us, what they said or what they asked. We're left to wonder about that, but I think, given our Lord's answer, we have some idea of what they must have said. They must have said, if you stay here, you will die. It's obvious to us, it must be obvious to you. So come back to Athens with us. We respect wisdom. As Greeks, we are known for it. So if you come back with us, you can preach and no one will harm you. We've never harmed any of our wise men, except one, Socrates. And we always regretted making him drink that hemlock juice. So come back with us and you will live. But don't stay here or you will die. They must have said that because our Lord doesn't answer them from Isaiah or Jeremiah because they're Gentiles. He answers them from nature. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. I'm sure they didn't understand. The apostles didn't understand. He's telling them what he has come to do. They don't understand that. They think he must escape from this. He's telling them, no, this is the reason I have come. I have come to die because only then can I produce uh, what I have come to do. Only then am I able to bring redemption to humanity. 
And then he applies it to all of us. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, there also will my servant be. In other words, our lives must be a death to self as well. Now, whether we like it or not, it's going to be true to some extent. Whether we like it or not, something is going to be left behind as we go through life. We will die to things that we don't particularly want to lose, but we will lose them. They will go, and we must move forward into something else. But on the other hand, too, we are supposed to choose to die to ourselves in many ways. That's what penance is all about, isn't it? We don't do penance to prove anything to ourselves or to anybody else. We don't do penance just for some secular reason. We do penance to empty ourselves up so that we can die to ourselves to live for God. We see that in the lives of all the saints, this desire to empty themselves for God. Uh, Remember St. John of the Cross was arrested by his own order because he wanted to reform them. And he was put in prison by his own order and kept there. And it was there, he said, that he drew closer to God than he ever had in his entire life when everything was taken away from him and he was destitute. He had nothing. He said that's when he grew closest to God because that's when he really died to himself. That's when he learned to leave everything else behind. I was once talking to a missionary who said to me, he said, they stole everything I ever had. I forget exactly what country he was in. He said, and finally they stole my chalice, the one thing that meant the most to me. And it was only then that I realized what it, was, what it meant to die to oneself, to leave everything else behind and to have nothing. Now, of course, we aren't called here to have nothing. We have to go through life with our world and our vocations and our families, and we have to provide all those good things. It's not the things that are the problem, it's the dying to them that's the problem. That thanatos, that death to self. Our Lord then speaks as you and I would speak when faced with this, when faced with a death we don't want, a dying to self. It could be something small, it could be something large. It could be a person. You know, um, St. Augustine once lost a very, very dear friend who was very close to him. And he said... My whole world was dark with his absence. And he said that he went so far as to say that the whole world was full of his absence. And then he said that my eyes were restless looking for him, but he wasn't there. I hated all places because he wasn't in them. He was dying to himself, but he didn't like it because he didn't yet understand God and Jesus Christ. Only then would he understand what this meant. I thought that last statement was pretty effective. I hated all places because he was not in them. Many of you here, many of us have had that experience when someone dies or leaves us. The whole world seems full of their absence. In any event, our Lord then says, I am troubled now. He's troubled because he sees the the death. He sees his passion coming. He will die to everything. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. That's why I've come. He's troubled by what he knows must be and the reason for his being. But nevertheless, he knows that he must do it. 
And that is how he will give glory to God by his death to self. It's really quite wonderful on this fifth Sunday of Lent, we're allowed to do it, to cover up virtually all the statues and paintings um, as a form of fasting of the eyes. There's nothing beautiful to look upon in the church, or at least very little. Um, so for two weeks we're going to be without that. We're going to die to, our, to, to that part of ourselves. Um, and if we're able to do that with all things, we finally experience a freedom we have never experienced before. The freedom of that emptiness. I think the happiest people I've ever known, some were rich, some were poor. Uh, some were religious. Were people who had that detachment, who had died to everything, and were always looking forward to moving somewhere else. Because too often, things can hold us in place. When God is saying, no, move towards me. And we're saying, no, I'm going to stay here because I like what I've got here. And our Lord will say, no, die to it and move on. That's what the gospel is all about. We are grains of wheat. And our Lord doesn't use wheat by accident. Wheat is always in the gospel a symbol of the Eucharist. That's the wheat because that's his, that is his death and resurrection. That is his passion. The Eucharist makes it all present. We can never really understand this gospel without the Eucharist, nor can we die to ourselves without it because we won't have the strength to do it. We have to take into ourselves the one who did die to himself perfectly and completely as the second, reason, the second reading said, and then only can we die to ourselves and move into that new freedom. So the Eucharist gives that to us, the grain of wheat that falls to the earth, and he is the grain of wheat. So we will move on uh, into this great mystery of death, except for us it's a great joy. The world will consider it frustrating and irritating to have to lose anything. For us, in many ways, the more we lose, the more we gain. The more we empty ourselves, the more we are filled. The more we abandon ourselves, the more we are found. Let us pray for these elect whom God has chosen. May the grace of the sacraments conform them to Christ in his passion and resurrection, enable them to triumph over the bitter fate of death. that these elect may be given the faith to acknowledge Christ as the resurrection and the life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That they may be freed from sin and grow in the holiness that leads to eternal life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That liberated by repentance from the shackles of sin, they may become like Christ by baptism, dead to sin, and alive forever in God's sight. We pray to the Lord. Lord that they may be filled with the hope of the life-given spirit and prepare themselves thoroughly for their birth to new life. We pray to the Lord. Lord that the Eucharistic food which they are soon to receive may make them one with Christ, the source of life and of resurrection. We pray to the Lord. that all of us may walk in newness of life and show to the world the power of the risen Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord that all the world may find Christ and acknowledge in him the promises of eternal life. We pray to the Lord. Lord Father of life and God, not of the dead, but of the living, you sent your Son to proclaim life, to snatch us from the realm of death, to lead us to the resurrection. 
free these elect from the death-dealing power of the spirit of evil, so that they may bear witness to their new life in the risen Christ, for he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, by raising Lazarus from the dead, you showed that you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Free from the grasp of death those who await your life-giving sacraments, and deliver them from the spirit of corruption. Through your spirit, who gives life, fill them with faith, hope, and charity, that they may live with you always in the glory of your resurrection. For you are Lord forever and ever. Amen. Although you cannot yet participate fully in the Lord's Eucharist, stay with us as a sign of our hope that all God's children will eat and drink with the Lord and work with his spirit to recreate the face of the earth. 